Yep. And welcome back to Talking Knicks, the first regular, regular season show. There's got to be a better way to say it than that. You are probably listening Monday, October 28th. The Knicks season has kicked off. Not a huge shock. They are 0-3. They did have a fun game versus the Nets. We'll talk about that. R.J. Barrett has clearly been a highlight with the Knicks. There are some lowlights. But we've got some fun stuff to talk. I am here with Kenny Poon, Big Baby David, and let's talk Knicks. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Hey everyone, welcome back to Talking Knicks. The season is upon us. Knicks are 0-3. Um, I just tweeted out from at Talking Knicks on Twitter that ESPN made them 0-3 after the second game of the season, which is tough but fair, to be completely honest. They saw where it was going. Yeah, yeah, they uh, they had some good foresight on that. Um and yeah, man, I'm I'm more excited than I think I would be for an 0-3 start, especially when we came back against Brooklyn and then we blow it at the end. And I think a lot of that is led by R.J. Barrett. He looks incredible, and we're going to dive into him and a lot more. Uh, but first, we'll kick it around the horn. Kenny Poon, Kenneth Andrew, how you doing, buddy? Jake, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I've, I've told you guys uh, I ran a half marathon yesterday yeah. so uh I, I did that for my my movember foundation campaign for this this year and as i'm sure you guys know uh it's not november yet so that doesn't even make sense but no. you know we got gotta warm up you gotta warm up before you get into it um so that was pretty much the gist of my weekend been just kind of like trying to move as little as possible since then and i gotta say Fair. i've been pretty successful at that so nice going Didn't well you, did you race a steamboat or something like that or yeah we raced uh raced a steam train in essex that's the that's the little gimmick and it was pretty cool okay. um you're not actually like alongside the steam train the entire time like you start at the same time and then like it goes to a station and then like you catch up to it at that station and like some people get on because some people do a relay and other people get ah. on to finish the relay and then you race it back from there um and i just kicked the bleep out of that wow. steam train made it back uh i don't know my official time but the, the clock said 211 so it was probably like 209 because i was the last person in line leaving because okay. i was i was late there getting my bib uh so you know good stuff good stuff all around yeah i don't know i kind of like the image of racing racing the train pretty seriously i I like to picture myself struggling at the end of the run and looking at that damn train like, God yeah. damn it. You hear it coming because it's got the the high steam whistle. And I actually, for beating the train, I got a steam whistle. Or not a steam whistle, like a train whistle, one of the things that you okay. blow. Those um, are fun. It's over there, and I don't want to get up to, to get it. But if if I had it, I'd blow it for you guys so you could, you could get a taste. Yeah, that, feel, that feels like a later in the episode type situation. And speaking sure. of the train coming... Big baby David, sup, brah? Sup. Sup, uh, dude. Yeah, fun fact about those train whistle things. I, uh, I One time I was doing stage crew for the uh, – it wasn't the school play, but it was like my friend's play, and they just need someone to work that. I got to I got to blow the uh, the train whistle thing and be that sound effect, so that was fun. Uh, that's, wow. That's a little personal story. Um, We're relating here. Nice. Yeah. Connecting. I, I, I love – 
I love running into stuff doing podcasts. Normally, it's talking about the sports, but look at this. It's a train pod. Can? Trains. Well, if that's if that's, that's not a sign, <laughs> if that's not a <laughs> sign to start talking Knicks, I don't know what is. Uh, boys, let's let's recap the games quick before we get into the topics, because that'll that'll lead us into the topics. Uh, opening opening night for the Knicks, we're in San Antonio. Uh, we end up losing one twenty to one eleven. We had some big nights from a few guys. Uh, Marcus Morris Senior Senior. Uh, he puts up a 26 spot. R.J. Barrett, 9 for 13 from the field, 21 points, 5 boards, 2 assists, 2 steals. Julius Randle, 25, 11, and 6, and 3. Uh, we'll take that from him. Uh, we do see a couple holes, a couple bright spots. Alfred Payton came out. We saw the starting of the Payton-Barrett connection, which I know Kenny's all about. Um, and, yeah, we, we had some... Frank Nilakina, three minutes. I, I think that's important to mention for a reason because that's going to become a topic. But, boys, we go to San Antonio. We lose. Uh, Ken, I'll kick it to you first. What uh, About this game in general, what, what were your thoughts? Uh, I mean, it's going to be the, a similar situation for all three, a game, three games, but it feels like we were in all three of these games like at the beginning of the fourth quarter yeah, like with an opportunity to, to potentially come out and win. Um, this game, like, I, th I think you hit the nail on the head. It was very much, there were some very good players, and then there were some very bad players. And the very bad players, uh, I'll let you guys handle the good stuff, because you seem to more, seem more, like, optimist than I am. Sure. Uh, but the bad, bad players were Frank, DSJ, and Alonzo Trier, who all just, like, looked terrible. Um, I have not liked the way that... Dennis Smith Jr.'s jump shot has looked at all this season, um, starting in that first game. And I mentioned that in a tweet, and someone someone had a good tweet that got me and kind of made a lot of sense, was he said he, DSJ looks like he's hurting something every time he takes a jump Ooh. shot, which if you watch him shoot, like, that's what it looks like. Um, so I'm hoping that that's just – that'll pass as he, you know, gets healthier and gets more into the season and, like, shakes off some rust. Uh, but that was that was one of the big things, and I'm going to let you get to, I think, the biggest thing, which is your boy Alfred Payton, who uh, was probably the story of this game for me. Yeah, I, I was pretty stoked about Payton, and I, I had this weird realization um, that he might be one of the best Knicks point guards in recent history, and I'll I'll dive into that a little more later, but... Yeah, he's just – he's an NBA point guard, and it, it sounds dumb and kind of stupid to say, but the Knicks have had a lot of guys come through <laughs> that that statement is almost questionable. And we see, like you mentioned, Dennis Smith Jr., uh, his confidence and shot just both look broken right now. Um, I know a lot of a lot of Knicks voices that I really respect because I, I don't know. I don't – three-game sample is tough to say, but a lot of Knicks voices I really respect are like, oh, my God. Uh, DSJ looks broken, and yeah, I think that's that's kind of the only bummer right now with the spin zone, um, BBD, is that like this point guard situation that was supposed to be best case scenario was supposed to be fun. Like DSJ comes in, he's gonna push it and be the athletic point guard. Frank's gonna come in and be the stopper. Trier's gonna get some run there. We'll see what it looks like. Hopefully, instant offense. And right now, or or especially game one, uh, that looked terrible. Yeah, I mean they've all 
been pretty unimpressive besides Alfred Payton. Um, like you said, you know, the best case scenario was that it's fun. We have a few guys who, who show they can be NBA, you know, point guards, you know, capable of being, uh, you know, leaders on, on a, a competitive team. And right now, while it looks like Payton is that he's kind of taken the job basically by default because no one else is doing like I can't tell you a positive thing anyone else has really done that was in the conversation there. So, um, it's it's uh, it's nice that Peyton's doing well, but everyone else being bad and making it easy to just give the job to Peyton for now is a, a bummer. Yeah, yeah I think n- in, in that first game, I think like Peyton wasn't just like serviceable. He had a he had a very good game yeah. in my opinion, as far as you know, uh, just carrying the offense and just being a a normal person out there running the offense yeah. uh, and uh, we, what you saw with a lot of people is a lot of people getting hands on balls and he had five steals that game which is pretty yeah. cool from the point guard spot so like he really took control of the starting point guard position that game and you know credit to him absolutely yeah and that the the Knicks the Knicks def I shouldn't say defense but the Knicks steals <laughs> or Knicks hand stuff that's my old podcast uh, that has been one of the early highlights so far because we we have seen, like you said, Alfred Payton had five in that game. Randall had two. Barrett two. Portis two. Uh, Morris Senior with three. So the uh, the defense steel wise and getting getting the hands up in traffic early on this season has been impressive. And I think something else of hey, note Jake. was, but well, I'll, I'll give it to you, Ken. But before this game, it it was also Mitchell Robinson hurt his ankle. So. Coming into this game, we were wondering if Mitch Rob was going to start or come off the bench, and then they said DNP. Um, so, I mean, mate, that's that's kind of a slight factor. Like, Trier gets to start, but he only plays seven minutes. So, I don't know, tough to, like, kill him on that. But Yeah, and so what I mentioned to you guys beforehand, I had a, a kind of fun stat that um, I would mention if it came up. Kind of fun stat alert. Blow the train whistle. And Hold on. There it is. And so my kind of fun stat is after three games, the Knicks are leading the NBA in steals per game at 12.3. So there you yeah. go. Yeah, and I, and I think uh, the reason I looked up into that is because of what you said. It looks like the Knicks are getting a lot of, lot of hands on, on passes, and I've seen a lot of like high steal games. I think uh, – um, I don't know if it was R.J. Barrett or maybe it was Julius Randle had a six steal game as well. Maybe both of them. I don't even know because uh, – there's been a lot of steals going around and just hopping back to the game for a second. I think uh, we should mention what you said about Trier just com- coming out of nowhere and ending up being the starter um, was kind of a weird, a weird thing. But like you said, he only played seven minutes. Like we had the conversation in the preseason pod about who was going to be the starter and Trier was not even in the conversation. Yeah. Um, and somehow ends up starting. So it's, it's, it's a weird thing, and, like, I don't know how much of it is Fizdale just kind of experimenting and how much of it is, like, oh, he thinks that this is actually, you know, the way to go forward. So, Yeah, and I, I think the the only other guy in the Knicks that we've kind of missed so far is, I mean, Kevin Knox goes 5 of 9 from the field, 3 of 4 uh, shooting from 3-point land, uh, a little 13 and 5 in 21 minutes. It's looking like, uh, and we talked about this a little bit on the season preview, that he's not going to get the same minutes. Um, but it looks like he's semi-comfortable in the bench role, and that's that's good for now. I know I got a little timid just because I uh, 
I don't I don't want to compare it to Frank too much because clearly very different players. But I didn't I didn't want n I didn't want to walk away with Knox only getting 20 minutes a game, and if you miss your first couple shots, you get a little gun shy. But it it looks like he's adjusted pretty well so far. Yeah, I mean he looks. He looks really comfortable in the early stages this year, and, and he's hitting shots at a pretty good clip. Um, and, he, and he's you know getting into those boards. He got five in that first game. We'll get to it later. He had he had eight in the Celtics game. I don't have the the net stats in front of me, but uh, he's he's been he's been nice, and I like seeing him kind of with the second unit, letting him let him cook for like twenty minutes a night right now, and and we'll see how they adjust moving forward as far as more minutes if he eventually gets into the starting lineup or if they want to keep him against second units cool by me you know yeah yeah and so and i don't know if we want to i don't know if we want to just jump into Knox a more thorough discussion now or if we want to just keep going with the with the um just game recaps but he has been shooting it lights out for from three for the for the first few games yeah he's he's looked really good i know uh Bobby from Talking Next Nets texted me during the game, and we don't we don't text a bunch, but he texted me about third quarter, and he's like, "Yo, Knox is legit, huh?" And I was like, "He's got he, he's got a lot of potential. He's got a great shot. He's got a little quirk to his offensive game. It it really was kind of, uh, and and this was mentioned in the season preview too, but it, it was kind of silly how how lost in translation his numbers got for playing on a bad team, playing on the worst team, not a bad <laughs> team, the worst team. Um, and for how young he, for how young he was in his shooting percentage, Spurs went to the line a lot more. Um, it's a game in San Antonio opening night. Knicks technically had the lead after three, after scoring 15 points in the first quarter. So I don't know. It uh, it felt kind of what what our goal for Knicks games were last year. Last year we wanted them to be competitive and then lose at the end so we could get the better pick. Um, that's kind of what it felt like. And speaking of being competitive and losing at the end. Uh, game two of the season, we go to Brooklyn, the battle for New York City, kind of. Um, Los Knicks head to Brooklyn. They go down early. They show a ton of fight and look incredible for a little bit. Uh, they started running. They were they were tormenting the Nets at the end of the game. Kyrie puts on a little bit of the sh a show for the fans. He hits the big shot. Um, tough. I. My my big takeaway from this game, and hey, we should give Alonzo Trier some love. He ends up playing 23 minutes this game and was was instant offense. I mean, six or seven from yeah. the field, three of four from three, seven of 11 from the free throw line, led the team 22 points. So he got his minutes. He wasn't exactly running offense. And I do remember at one point when the Knicks were running, he totally did a heat check Alonzo Trier possession. Um, but yeah, that's my my overall takeaway from this game. Uh, like when I just think about it now before diving too deep into the box score was the Knicks felt like they did so many little things wrong. Um, it just felt like every possession for a little while you could point at one thing and be like, ah, that was just off or why'd they do that pass or a sloppy turnover. And yet they still took the lead and they had that great run. And it was like, yes, Knicks basketball. And then it all falls apart at the end. BBD where, where were, where were you for with this Nets game? Uh, it it felt like a game that was winnable, uh, and not that you know we're overly concerned about win loss record here, but it, it just felt like at one point felt like oh wow the Knicks are going to win this game, and then to kind of get it uh, taken out from under you at the last minute or two there uh, didn't feel good, and 
when when uh, Julius Randle dribbles that ball off his foot and it goes out of bounds and people are getting mad at him and uh, it, was, it was kind of uh, it was kind of weirdly sad vibes considering we just beat a team that's supposed to be you know a top five team in the East um, and they, they absolutely could have won that game if they just did a few more of those little things right. Uh, don't don't like that, Kenny. Where are you at with this? Yeah, and I'm I'm on the kind of Tom Piccolo train as all I'm really looking for is like some flash of something from people who will be on our team in the future. Um, mm-hmm. And I think we saw we saw we saw some something from R.J. Barrett and we saw something from Kevin Knox and uh, one of my one of my cousins shout out shout out Mike mm-hmm. texted me at the beginning of the game and told me uh, Kevin Knox sucks. I was Ooh. like, dude, Kevin Knox had a pretty good game last game. Give him a minute. And then after that, he kind of went off and had himself a very nice game. Hit four of four from three, two of two from the free throw line, 16 points. Um, so, like, I enjoyed that, uh, seeing Kevin Knox just kind of get buckets and uh, show a little bit of flash of what he, he can be able to do. And, you know, particularly with R.J. Barrett doing the same thing, it's like we might have a little something here for the future. Yeah, and that's I I I might have buried the lead a little bit because I you know in a in a game with the Nets at Brooklyn, uh, where I'm saying it felt like they did so many little things wrong. Uh, I'll tell you what, that is right because the Knicks shot 17 of 25 from three <laughs> uh, on that's a normal good. shooting night. This isn't a, this isn't a game, but Marcus Morris he goes three of three from three. R.J. Barrett two for four. Alfred Payton two for three. Knox four for four. Ellington. Three for four after not playing the first half. Trier, three for four. Uh, So pretty wild shooting performance. It's good to see the Knicks (laughs) have that in their bones. I, I, you know, don't expect (laughs) 68% from three throughout this season. Uh, But to know that they can bust that out and if they get some good looks, they they can bang their shots this year if they're there. Uh, The turnovers were crippling. Julius Randle has six. Barrett has five, but he was he was handling the ball a lot, and he is a rookie. I mean, how, how much can we expect? Uh, Randall's turnovers were pretty brutal, and his shooting performance, it, it was the definition of game-by-game uh, game confidence. I mean, there's going to be days when Julius Randall hits his first three and he's going to be allowed to kind of shoot from wherever he wants. He missed his first couple deep shots, and the Nets started daring him, and every time he dared to take a longer shot, uh, it got uglier every time, it seemed. Yeah. There was I, – I don't know when it was, but there was a – it was at some point in maybe the second quarter where DSJ missed a shot, and then, like, the next possession he came down, and they weren't even anywhere near him on defense. They yeah. were, like, sagging in the paint, and he was at the three-point line and just daring him to shoot. And he took a step inside and just took a terribly, terribly ugly jumper. And, like, I, I, I'm, I mean – you saw all the videos over the summer about how much he was working on his jump shot and like it looked better over the summer and then like right now just his form looks off and I don't know if it's it has to do with the injury or or what it is but I think he just needs time to to like get back into the groove yeah it seems like he's I mean we know he was nursing an injury because it kept him out of the preseason so it feels kind of like playing him is all is almost doing him a disservice at this time um because he just isn't a hundred percent and things just don't look good. Uh, so, so I'd, I'd like to see them go away from giving him any minutes for a little bit until he's, uh, like good to go. Uh, just cause 
right now it's it's a dark dark time for for Dennis Smith Jr. Um, yeah, those those five minutes zero for four, um, and it just it just feels so wrong. <laughs> like I don't know if that's rude to say, but again, like a lot a lot of Knicks names I I respect in the Knicks kind of community are like, oh my God, what is this? Um, and I I think this is a talking point. Ken, you you mentioned it quickly there. Um, are we Wayne Ellington? Um, he's a bona fide shooter. He's an NBA dude. He doesn't play the whole first half, and we're like, okay. And you know, we start kind of running the numbers in our head, like, you know, maybe it. You know, they're playing the Celtics tomorrow. Maybe, maybe they're saving Ellington tomorrow. Maybe he's a little nicked up early in the season. He comes out in the second half. He goes three of four from three. He's a big part of the Knicks coming back in this game. Are we a little mad at Fizdale? Like, is that – like, someone like Wayne Ellington, why wouldn't he play in the first half? Yeah, that's a good question. And, again, like, it's early in the season. I feel like there's going to be a lot of experimenting, and I'm not – I'm just not sure what the plan is. But I think there are so many new players on this team, and they're going to try so hard to try to, you know, figure out how these pieces fit together that it's going to take some time. Um, so I'm not all that worried about it. If this continues on for an extended period, then maybe it becomes more of a concern. But early in the season partic in particular, I'm not as worried about the rotations as I might otherwise be. You definitely got to wait before getting too judgmental on, on minutes, I, I'd say. Um, with Ellington specifically, yeah, it was kind of weird. We were talking, uh, I forget if it was in the group chat, if it was just tweets I saw about like yo why is ellington here uh if like he had, like didn't play in game one uh you know any substantial amount of time and then he didn't play the entire first half of game two and then he but then he came in went off and it was very exciting most fun i've had watching a Knicks basketball game in years was just him hitting those like three threes down the stretch so uh hopefully that's a sign of him being good for the rest of the year and and Kenny, you've been kind of the one hammering the horn on this the most. If just you can build up his trade value the most, kind and, of uh, they can get something for him down the road. That'd be cool. Or if, if he's just teaching people how to be a pro, that's also cool. Um, but like what I've seen from him to this point. Yeah, and kind of jumping on you on the this, that's a weird thing situation is uh, DNP coach's decision in Boston after his uh, nice end to the to the Brooklyn game so who knows what's going on but you know it'll it'll all get figured out hopefully and it's it's it, BBD mentioned Ellington plays 13 minutes against the Spurs and it's it just does seem odd because for for a lot of these players that were trying to find a finite role I mean Wayne Ellington has one of the best most defined roles on this team I mean he he was you could see the plays coming around double screens catching it in stride and then shooting his shot um, and it, it was awesome. Like we haven't seen a Knicks player that could kind of come on the run off a screen and bang a three like that in a little while, it seems like. Um, so Ellington's going to be interesting to watch going forward. Uh, from, from the net side, uh, Kyrie hits the big shot. Um, you know, they, they shot pretty well from three themselves, 43%. Garrett Temple hits a couple. Karuk's Rodion, our, our dude, um, 
So yeah, I I don't know. It kind of sucks, and it went. If you're just doing box score hunting, which is tough, because if this was if this was talking nets, they'd be saying, "How the hell did the Knicks shoot 68 percent from three? Uh, Knicks go 16 of 28 from the free throw line. Nets go 23 of 34. Um, also not that great, but back to back games, Knicks get out free throwed a lot. It'll be interesting to see how if that continues as a theme. Um, and something that we mentioned from the previous game, R.J. Barrett with the six steals, as Ken referenced, Mitchell Robinson had four. And there there was a cool period of time in this game where it's like, yo, this Knicks defense has some awesome length. Um, and I, I think let's, before we get into, before we get into this, some, some of the bigger topics, let's round off uh, the games. First, first game in the Garden, uh, we host the Celtics. Eh, eight one eighteen to ninety five. Uh, Kemba Walker. If you, if you don't know, me and Kenny are huge UConn guys, UConn fans. Uh, and anytime Kemba Walker's in the Garden, that's kind of that's his house. Uh, he ends up having a pretty big night after getting off to a slow start for the Celtics this season. Uh, for Los Knicks, uh, the R.J. Barrett show kind of continues. Twenty six points, four of six from three. Um, Julius Randle gets uh, a 10-10 double-double. He cuts it pretty close. Um, I don't know, kind of just outclassed. Uh, Knicks go up 13-2, and then from there, uh, TFA, things fall apart. I mean, they were up by, what is it, two, three, five at at the half, and then they were only down by, looks like, six after after the third so like they're in that game and then in the third they they lose 36 to 19 in the fourth quarter so like they're in the game and then they just they just kind of lost it but i mean we can we can talk about some of the more positive stuff and like you mentioned rj barrett is is on that list of positives he he had himself a very nice game uh like you said 26 points on he shot four six from three which is an exciting thing to see uh and then mitch robb didn't miss a shot that he took from the field or the line. Seven of seven from the field, three of three from the line for 17 points. Also had three blocks to go along with it, which is exciting. I'm a fan yeah, when it, he does stuff like that. It, it's crazy. You know, he only plays 20 minutes. He gets 17, six boards, three blocks. It, it's there. Hopefully there's a day when Mitchell Robinson can put up, you know, 30 minutes. It, it's kind of crazy the numbers he might be able to put up. Uh, and yeah, Ken, I, I I liked what you said there. I th- I think it's worth focusing on the young guys, or or at least the young guys that had a good night. Because we mentioned the DS, well, the DSJ show is is really tough to watch at this point. Uh, Trier has a bad night. Uh, yeah, it basically comes back to Mitch Rob, seven of seven, seventeen points, six boards, three blocks, and R.J. Barrett, man. And I I think. I think it's about time to do it because it, it, if we deep dive into the Celtics Knicks game, we're we're just gonna run into a lot of stuff we don't really like. I mean, I just uh, before we before we leave this topic, I just want to mention that R.J. Barrett had a pretty nice dunk. I don't know if you saw yeah, that. Yeah, that, that was baseline a, dunk, man. Yeah. So like, um, we should just mention that at least so the fans know that if they haven't seen it, go check it out. It's oh exciting yeah. Stuff. Oh yeah, and that's I I, I want to do a let, let's do an R J Barrett sesh because he deserves it. Um, R J B, he looks legit, Ken. Um, he again the the Celtics game four of six from three. It's it feels like in this small three game sample, 
we've already seen him do almost everything. We've seen him shoot a little bit. We've seen him handle the rock. He was guarding Kyrie at the end of the game. Spoiler, Kyrie hits the shot over Barrett, and Clyde was yelling at him, which is tough when they're showing the slow-mo replay, and Clyde's going, get on him, get up on him. And it's like, well, Clyde, that's that's tough. Yeah. Um, he's a rookie. I mean. He, yeah, he's a rookie, but he – he was playing good defense. He, he, you could see the length being a factor. You see him running, pushing the ball up the court, um, hitting shot. I, I mean, I've in these three games, I, I've seen like a lot of what I've wanted to see R.J. Barrett this season. And yes, it's a small sample size, and yes, he's going to have some pretty tough nights. I'm sure of it. Uh, but he looks like he looks legit. And I think it's so funny that after uh, the summer league preseason stuff like that. People start talking rookie of the year, and they're like, well, John Morant, he's going to have the ball a ton in his hand. Zion might get it just because it's going to be the Zion show whenever it happens. And then you hear people talking Tyler Hero because he has a good couple preseason games. R.J. Barrett was the number one dude coming out. He's going to be playing a ton, but it's I think R.J. Barrett almost got no love because he's on the Knicks, <laughs> which kind of sucks. Yeah, I'm, and I'm with you. Like, I don't get – kind of why rj barrett is getting overlooked and i don't know if you saw um before the season i don't know if it was uh, i think it was they pulled front office people and like no one picked rj barrett for rookie of the year and no one picked rj barrett as the rookie that's going to have the best career and it's just like uh, is this just people like anti-nicks uh, i don't yes. know but but like having seen rj barrett play the first three games like the guy's gonna be the guy's got to be a basketball player, um, and what's impressed me the most is he's just been so efficient playing um, because he's a rookie, right? So what we're expecting is him to be very inefficient like what we saw from Knox last year, but he's shooting 51% from the field, 53.8% from three, which is unsustainable, but still, yeah. like, given given our concerns about his shooting uh, coming into the season, like, it inspires hope that he could be a, a good shooter moving forward. And like you said, he, he does a little bit of everything. He's in that first game. Uh, I think I texted you guys. He was just getting his hands on everything uh, while playing defense. Got a ton of deflections. Um, if Tom were here, I'd have him look it up because he knows how to look stuff like that up. But sure. like playing decent defense and, you know, pulling down boards. So I don't know what else you want from a 19-year-old rookie other than what we saw from R.J. Barrett this week. I mean, I guess yeah. Clyde wants him to close out on that last one, but well, other than again, that, that, that's tough. You're doing you're doing a slow mo replay on Kyrie Irving, the dude who hit the same shot to win Game Seven of the NBA title. Uh, the fact that they even had RJ on Kyrie was like, yo, this is this is kind of cool. Like they they believe in him. In worst case, you know, RJ Barrett. I'm I'm sure he. He went back to his diary or, or I don't know, maybe his, his his phone's notepad and said, okay, step up on Kyrie late. Don't let him take that shot. Uh, BBD, I, I think we lost you for a minute there, but you're back. We're, uh, we decided to dive into the beauty that's been R.J. Barrett, if you want to talk about it. He is beautiful. Um, <laughs> True. I don't know what, and, what all we've hit on, but um, just I mean, just look at his numbers and they're good. And that, yes. that should make everyone uh, listen to this who likes the Knicks happy. If you don't like the Knicks, I don't know why you're listening to this. But yeah, um, but yeah, I mean he's he's been he has been awesome, and he seems to be able to do for the most part a little little bit of everything. At, at least he's capable of. 
just about everything that we would ask for um, as far as, you know, a basketball player goes. And, um, yeah, again, don't know exactly what you guys have already discussed. I don't want to. Yeah, yeah you don't worry about it. <laughs> you're, you're uh, can, I, you, can I drop a little bit of a not so much a hot take, but just like a, an observation that I don't know if you guys are going to react, react positively to or not. Sounds um, awesome. But like I have seen kind of a little bit of Carmelo Anthony in his game. Oh, just just in kind of his physicality early. And what I where I notice it the most is kind of in the way that he is repped. And you hope that in the future it changes. But like you see him taking a decent amount of contact and not really getting the calls so far. Um, and I don't know how much of that is just, you know, he's a rookie and how much of that is he's very strong. So like when he goes up, it doesn't, and someone like hits him on the arm a little bit, it doesn't do that much. So, I mean, that's just, that's just something that caught my eye. And I don't know if you guys have noticed similar things or if I'm just completely off my rocker. Yeah. I, I think it's the pretty standard, you know, young guy in the league. You're not going to get a ton of calls. Also it, he's 19. He's playing with a lot of grown men out there. So a lot of contact is going to look a little more dramatic on rj barrett than it would look on other players but no i i loved what you said ken when you said he it sounds dramatic but we need this in nick's land he inspires hope like i've and, and it's part of the reason i've been so upbeat this episode is like rj barrett looks like he can be legit legit like all nba legit he, he's shown he can handle the rock he can score he he can do a lot of different things on defense um and it's it's just like okay like i and the percentages are going to go down he's he's not going to shoot 54% from 3 um he's also not going to shoot 43% from the free throw line that's going to go up so we're we're going to see a lot of these percentages balance out uh but he has been the bright spot of all bright spots um and i think uh before before we get into awards uh a popular talking yank segment that that we like to bring over to talking Knicks. Um, I, I guess the only other main guy, because I don't know, Marcus Morris, we kind of saw what we expected from Marcus Morris. Alfred Payton, same. Uh, we did a little bit of Noxie, Mitch Robb, yep. Um, I, I guess the other guys that maybe we'll touch upon at the end have kind of been DNP crew, Dotson and, and Frankie Smokes, but we'll we'll get there later. Julius Randle. Julius Randle's supposed to be the best player on this team. Um, and he's, you know, the, the numbers look solid. He had a couple tougher shooting performances. Um, at that Nets game, he just got lost a little bit. Uh, BBD, what are your uh, three three game sample overreactions to Julius Randle? Well, the over the, the overreaction I had after Game One was, "Wow, he is gonna like coast to the All Star game." Um, nice. And after that, you know, he's had two rougher games. Um, if I'm remembering the order right, last night was better than the previous one. Um, eh, you can take positives and negatives from both, I guess, looking at the numbers a little bit now. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he seems like he, when he gets into his groove and, and if things are going right, he's definitely the guy they paid to be the big free agent acquisition this year that they supposedly were targeting the whole time and not Kevin yes. Durant or Kyrie Irving. But, no. um, but yeah, overall, um, Obviously, he, he dribbled the ball off his foot against the Nets, and people were mad about that. Saw people saying, I've never hated a person more than I hate Julius Randle. I was like, okay, that's a stretch. <laughs> Whoa. It's aggressive. Um, Knicks fans. Yeah. Um, so, I, so, beyond crazy stuff like that, 
I, th- I think you got to be uh, pretty happy with what we've gotten as a, as a complete sum from Randall so far, right? Yeah, the the turnovers are a little high. I think that's my my one yeah. concern. He he's had, um, you know, that Spurs game he was great. Um, he only had one turnover. Uh, he had f- six versus the the Nets, and then he had five versus Celtics. Uh, so I'm I'm a little concerned about that. It, his passing looks decent. I know Ken liked. Uh, in the preseason, like he can bring the ball up the court a little bit and he can handle it. And he's got double digit rebounds in every game. Um, so, you know, we'll obviously put that in the plus column. Ken, something I want to I want to give to you and I mentally I kind of can't tell if it's a plus or a minus. I, I want to say it's a regular season plus and maybe for the Knicks in general where they currently are, it's a plus. It seems like Julius Randle gets a lot of easy buckets. And I, I don't know if that's a compliment to his game or if it's the quirk in his game or running the court. And I guess the only the only negative twinge in my voice was, you know, if, if the Knicks a couple years from now are, you know, or next year they're the eighth seed in the East, you know, you don't see a lot of easy buckets come playoff time. And I, I can't tell if that's kind of a quirk and skill of his or, you know, if, if maybe part of his game is kind of, regular season gets on the break or or in the post uh, i i don't know i kind of wanted more perspective on it i'm i'm just you know so proud of you that your concern about his easy buckets is that it might not happen in the playoffs yeah this next team. <laughs> i'm a blind optimist with the knicks man i don't know i can't turn I, it off i'm gonna be honest with you i love that i, I wish yeah. i had that optimism um but my answer is no. I'm not. I mean, I'm not that concerned about. Uh, I, I I think it's just a good thing, right? Um, if Tom were here, he would tell you that the reason that people get out into transition so much now is because those are by far the most efficient right. uh, hoops in the game. And so, to the extent we have someone now who gets out in transition <coughs> and regularly gets transition buckets, it's good for the team. Uh, it's good for him. It's it's efficient uh, scoring, and you know, uh, I think we were kind of yelling at the team last year for not doing more pushing, particularly when they had um, DSJ playing a little better than he is now and out there able to run. Um, so I think, I mean, I think that's exactly what we want from, from Julius Randle and from kind of most of the guys on this team is to, to get out and run a little more. Cause that's, that's the way the NBA is headed is just follow the numbers and whatever the most efficient way to score is. That's what you want to do. And there's definitely something to be said for also hitting those shots that you're supposed to hit. Um, you know, fact fact is he's he's hitting those easy shots, and we'd be mad, we'd be we'd be really mad if he was not hitting those shots he's supposed to. So uh, he's doing everything in that regard that we need him to do, uh, which is good because the, yeah, the, the Knicks I- lore we don't usually get that. <laughs> yeah, and uh, just jumping on what what. Jake was saying earlier about his passing is he's currently second on the team in assists at 4.3 yeah. a game, uh, right behind Alfred Payton, who's at 5.0 a game. So, I mean, that's that's not nothing. And, you know, he's, he's gotten at least three each game, uh, yeah. which is good. Yeah. And what I'll say is between Julius Randle and Marcus Morris, like coming into the season, I don't really care what they did in the first three games. I wasn't going to be particularly concerned with them or with anything that they did because they are the most established players on this team. Uh, so, you know, to the extent that he had a bad game, you know, I'm, I'm not too worried about it. And what I'm more looking for is to see, you know, the developing of some consistency among the young guys. 
Yeah, and it was, uh, uh, I mean, the Nets game, his, you know, during his rough stretch, it's like, yeah, the shot left him for a little bit, but, I mean, you could see that happen to any NBA player uh, during one given game. And it was it was funny. I mean, it's like he was doing the hard part. Like, he makes that nice move, and then he dribbles it off his foot. And it's like, damn. And But, you know, that's it's that doesn't even need to be fixed. Like, that's just not going to happen. It doesn't even matter. Anyways, <laughs> I think I think we need matter. to get to awards and whoever we miss uh what i actually got really excited uh when i was doing the layout for today's show i i forgot that after at the end of the show we kind of do what what do we miss but let's do awards first i i am going to go first because it's my party i'll i'll get high if i want to are those the words Ooh, um, this is a family show jake i am giving out the sane in the membrane award not the insane in the membrane the sane in the membrane um, and I'm giving it to Alfred Payton. Uh, like we said, and that's uh, why I kind of wanted to push the conversation till now, uh, I saw exactly what I was hoping to see from Alfred Payton coming into this next year, that he was just going to be a stable NBA point guard. And I, I already told you guys this, so I, you, know, don't, you don't have to gasp into the microphone if you don't want to. But if you do, too, like I won't fight you on it. Um, Alfred Payton... There's an argument to be made that he is the best Knicks point guard since, I think, 2010-2011 Raymond Felton. And hearing (gasps) – yeah, if you're driving right now, I'm sorry um, because you just hit another car and we're not helping you out with that. We can't. But – it, it's insane. I mean, just going through the years, and, and Ken, you you said that we've kind of had this rotating door every year where it's like, all right, uh, Jarrett Jack, Trey Burke, okay. Uh, Jason Kidd is going to share some of the point guard duties. Uh, Pablo Prigioni, Pricky Smalls. Uh, and I, I, was going th- I was going through the basketball reference, and I was like, holy crap. Uh, Raymond Felton, by the way, had a nice 2010-2011. I think it was like 17-8. and eight. Uh, But... And and I think what's even more exciting for me is that I think R.J. Barrett is going to end up being almost a point guard, point forward. So I, I think this this might become uh, laughable at some point. But Alfred Payton is really solid. He, he hit a couple three balls. That's not part of his game. But just moving the ball, playing defense, he had another four steals in the Celtics game. Um, I, I just think it can't be underestimated that when we're looking at these young guys and, and talking about their development. And think about, I'll, I'll spin this to Noxie for a second. We talked about how Kevin Knox didn't get any love this preseason when he was a 19-year-old kid that had really good three-point shooting numbers. He was kind of doing that on his own. He didn't have a point guard really setting right. him up. They, they didn't have a great offense. Uh, so I, I don't know. I just think a point guard really ties things together. And I this is a, a debate that me and Tommy Piccolo have had often, but it's, uh, the debate we've had is what's more important, having a good point guard and having more a better wing. And Tom says it's tougher to find a better wing, so if you could have the wing get that guy. For me, if you look at the best teams in the NBA, like when – look at last year's playoffs, go through each team, they've all got a stud running the point guard position. If you don't have one, you are behind by default. Um, you, you can find kind of a defensive rangy guy to play some minutes on the wing. If you're if you're that limited at the point guard position, you're you're playing with one hand tied behind your back, not literally. Although Dennis Smith Jr.'s kind of looked like that, but so my my first award is the sane in the membrane. And if if you guys have any thoughts on Alfred, rip it. Well, uh, so, go, 
you go first. I'm going to I'm going to go where I always go in anything that I ever talk about and that's Frank and I'm sure Greg is oh listening boy. just being unhappy generally that I mentioned Frank again. But Alfred offensively is what I want Frank to be. Okay. He's like Ooh. he's not he's not a stud offensively, he's not doing anything crazy, but he's a very good game manager just like controlling the offense. And like that's the type of offensive player that I would like Frank to eventually be. He hasn't shown it, and like he's only gotten like some ridiculously small number of minutes this season. Um, query what the what the deal is there when we're we're stressing defense. I mean, given in the first three minutes that he played against uh, the Spurs, he threw the ball to the other team twice. But you know, neither here nor there. Uh, but yeah, Alfred Pay- Payton has been a very steadying force on the on the Knicks and. Um, what I mentioned to you guys in the chat is that there is, there has been a rotating door of point guards and you can find the article online somewhere. Cause they do it every year where they just talk about all of the point guards the Knicks have had since I think it was like Chris Childs or Charlie Ward. And Jeez. there's just, it's, there's a, there's a lot of them and there's no, <laughs> there has been no steady point guard for, you know, the 20 years since then. So Here's to hoping that, you know, we figure it out. I don't know if Alfred Payton on his, I think, one-in-one one contract is going to be the answer, but he's, he's you know, for now a, a steady steady guy in that position. Yeah, uh, so far he's established himself to me as just a calming influence when he's on the floor. You kind of, for the most part, know what you're going to get. Um, at the point guard position, that's kind of a lot of what you would want if you're not going to have a guy who's, like, super flashy. If you're not going to have a Kyrie Irving, you want a guy – who you generally know what you're going to get. And he's certainly been the most sure thing at the point guard position since, you know, who knows how long, I guess that Raymond Felton year, but even then, like, would we have considered that uh, a known quantity is kind of a one-off year for Felton. Um, Circling back a little bit to the, to the wing point guard debate, uh, (coughs) playing the role of Tom Piccolo here. Wow. Uh, Whoa. You know, the, the wings, I would agree that it's harder to find a wing uh, because point guard, you look around the league, it is the deepest overall position in basketball. Um, There's just, it has the most people who are capable of getting good minutes there. It's just um, our perspective as Knicks fans is we've never had one of those. So uh, I think that's sort of where the disconnect is on, on that debate on you from your end, Jake. Um, Yeah. I agree there. so well, some, something that I liked that was that was said during that was, uh, like you you mentioned, s- someone said proving yourself, and Alfred Payton doesn't have to prove anything. Even old Jarrett Jack was trying to prove like I can still hang in this league. Yeah. Like when Frank comes in, he's trying to prove himself. Dennis Smith Jr. He's trying to prove himself. Uh, Trier, uh, R.J. Barrett potentially if he's on the ball. Alfred Payton was like, no, I'm I'm an NBA guy. I've I, I was the starting point guard for the Pelicans last year with Anthony Davis and, and you know, Julius Randle, guys like that. Uh, so I think that's kind of an interesting thing that, you know, <laughs> not having the pressure of Frank Nilakina coming out and being like, all right, I got to show the guys I can play offense. Not that he got the minutes to show that, but um, I, I don't know. I, th- I thought that was an interesting point, and I loved Tom Piccolo coming through Big Baby David. That was a pretty special moment in talking Knicks mm. history. Um, Kenny, I'll, I'll give it to you for, for your award. My award is uh, the small sample size fam 
AKA Everyone Just Relax. Okay. Award. Well, Aaron Rodgers. Um, and I think this is, and I've mentioned this before on the pod, so I apologize if it's repetitive. This is kind of my role on the pod is I try not to get too high and I try not to get too low. And uh, sure. I think everyone should kind of follow suit. And so this award is going to go to R.J. Barrett. Ooh. And I'm going to explain to you why. Whoa. And it's going to show you that, Whoa. you know, we shouldn't get too high or too low on anything that's happening. Because right now, R.J. Barrett is shooting 53.8% from three and 42.9% from the free throw line. Yeah. So, like, you can't get too low on the 42.9 and you can't get too high on the 53.8. So, like, you just have to chill, let things run their course and understand that the season's not ending after three games. So. See, I, I disagree so wholeheartedly there. I think sure. you need to get as high as possible and assume that both Why those numbers are going to go up. Why isn't he shooting 60%? Yeah, I think both those numbers go up. Um, no. I don't like any – ah, keeping a level head, dude? Come on, we're the Knicks. Yeah. Get out of yeah. here. That's why, I li- I th- that's why you guys are on the pod. I'm the level-headed one. You guys yeah, – Greg, Greg's here to tell us we're going to win the championship, but he's not here today, so – what so was no to do that? What was the fun fact that came out after his first game that he was the second youngest person to score twenty plus points in his first NBA game or something like that? Something I didn't like see that. that, but that's oh yeah, fun. it was it was that exactly. But first was LeBron; he was the youngest. So nice to get yeah. those comparisons. So that that makes sense in my head. Um, yeah. So yeah, ig- ignore Kenny's award. One A, one B. I'm sure. sorry, sorry you guys had to listen to that. But, no, you you are right. Like, R.J. Barrett is going to have a night or two when we're like, okay, one for 12, young fella. You're not getting the calls. That's tough. Yeah, but, th- I mean, that was a metaphor for the bigger picture is that that's just a one thing that, you know, don't freak out too much on the going 0 for 3 this season because it's a small sample size and yeah. it's a long season. Ba- big baby David, time to freak us out. What's your award? My award, it's kind of a downer award. It's uh, the oh, Lost in the World guys. award. Man, you, we, we saved you for last to pick us up, man. I didn't know I was going last. What's the award? It's the Lost in the World award. Okay. Any guesses? <laughs> uh, I, is it a Frenchman? Uh, it is not Ooh. a Frenchman. Ooh. Oh, then I have no idea. Is it, it, a, is it a cougar? Um, is it, uh, yeah. That would be my next guess. <laughs> yeah, it is Dennis Smith Jr. He just oh okay. He just looks lost. He looks so sad when he came out back onto the bench the other day, or maybe it was last night's game. And Dame Dot, who is also getting a lot of bench time, had to come over and cheer him up a little bit. Um, like Dennis Smith has looked on the verge of tears just every time I've seen him on the screen all year, and it's like gone completely the other way for me. I just feel bad for him like i feel awful for dennis smith jr and hopefully people don't give him too hard a time uh especially after seeing him be so so sad and all the we want frank chants and i agree i want frank um playing dennis smith jr i said earlier is only hurting his confidence right now so maybe um just get healthy and and hopefully start doing well soon because so Boy, I, I want to send that. I want to send that right back to you, BBD. What do you do if if you're Fizdale? What do you do? I think right now, you just 
gotta wait wait for him to get through whatever this injury is that he's dealing with. I lost track of what he's hurt, and I know he had the knee injuries in college and stuff and high school, but I don't know. He's clearly banged up, and, and his confidence is shot. So I, I would say just just do don't play him a lot of minutes right now. Um, and when we know he's like good to go, then yeah, let it rip and see if we can get him hot. Uh, I'm also an idiot though, so I don't know if that's the right way to do it. If you guys disagree. No, and I I have actually had a similar thought about, like, he was clearly injured. Everyone knows that. He didn't play much in the preseason. Like, maybe you do one of those kind of, you're injured, we're going to put you on the injury list, you're not going to play for a few games, and then, like, once we're sure you're back, you can play again. Um, Just to – it kind of takes some of the – the badness that he's just gone through away where he's like, Oh, he was injured. So like, we're not going to wor- think about that too much. And then when he comes back, he'll have kind of a new found ability to prove himself where we're just kind of forgetting about that other stuff. It didn't happen. It didn't matter. Yes. Um, and that's uh, that I thought about saying that, but like, I don't know. Is that a thing that people do in the NBA? I think to a degree, it's 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 interesting. And Ken, I'll go back to your award. It it really is still a small sample size, and this is kind of Dennis Smith Jr.'s preseason. Like he didn't play this preseason really. He's played 26 minutes. He's one for 11, 0 for three from three, uh, three assists, two turnovers. And yeah, I mean, it's you know, there is there a chance he comes out the next game and he goes six to seven from the field? He has a couple nice dunks. Like, yeah, I mean, he's got that ability and he hasn't played this preseason. Uh, on the other hand, I mean, he's just looked bad. Uh, so if there if there is anything bothering him, I think, yeah, you tell him like, all right, let's let's get you fully, fully healthy, because um, because right now it just it doesn't look right. Um but yeah, it it's a tough spot with a young player because I mean, if if he's not hurt, does that just shatter his confidence that you're pretending he's hurt? Like, absolutely. <laughs> um, if you if you send him out there and he looks terrible, that shatters his confidence too, and that's kind of they're in this funny limbo right now where, I mean, we're we're a game or two away from people being like, "Yo, DSJ is completely broken," and you just don't want that to happen. Yeah, and I kind of agree with what bbd was saying about like his general confidence level and how he looks and it's kind of the same look that that uh i don't know if it was one of you guys or maybe it was greg that was talking about last year with the frank's sad baby eyes when something went wrong and like it's kind of the same thing now and it's it's a confidence thing and like dsj seems like a much more confident player and uh he seems like for the few minutes that he gets a game, he's trying to shoot himself out of it, and I don't know if that's helping or hurting. Um, I think if he sees one go through the, the rim, maybe it helps, but uh, right now it just hasn't really hasn't really happened for him. Yeah, and I, and I guess the problem is it goes a, like a little beyond just the shots not falling, because um, that you could really chuck up to chalk up to the small sample size, but he just like, kind of looks bad at at everything and. It, it, he just looks really uh, not so confident. <laughs> he looks yeah. as he looks like he all the confidence that Kevin Knox seems to have gained over the summer it seems like it came directly from Dennis Smith Jr. Because Dennis Smith Jr. has never been bad at basketball in his entire life, I'm sure, and it just it just looks like he has no idea what he's supposed to do out there right now. Yeah, 
he's he's shot. He's he's mentally shot right now. And you know, it, again, it's it, I think we covered the options. It's play him and maybe he looks good. Play him, maybe he looks bad. Or you know, if if he is nicked up at all, you kind of you almost have to do an early pull the plug because right now it it, it doesn't that and that's not. That's not the Dennis Smith Jr. that was, what, the ninth pick in the draft that has the key to the city in his hometown. <laughs> you know, that, <laughs> that's not that dude we're seeing right now. And let me let me be clear. I'm pretty confident that DSJ is going to get significant minutes at some point this season, and he's sure. going to get a shot. Um, like, right now, it's kind of – it's not the situation we want. Like, while Alfred P- Payton is playing well, that's not the best for our future. The best for our future is if Dennis Smith Jr. and Frank are getting minutes and developing – um, right now, you would have expected one of them to be getting a decent amount of minutes. Right now, the secondary point guard is kind of R.J. Barrett, which is cool, but it also leaves two of your you know, potential building blocks, two of your lotto tickets that could you know, potentially become something completely unused. So um, I think in the future they will get minutes just because there will be injuries, things will happen. Um, you're not just going to bench these guys from the beginning of the season uh, on their – you know, what is the third season in the NBA, fourth season yeah. in the NBA? Like, it it's just not going to happen. They're, they'll get their chance, and I think that they're going to get over this. Like, it it's going to be fine. Yeah, and I, I think that leads us into kind of the only thing that we've really missed because, again, with a lot of these veterans, like Marcus Morris, he, he kind of did Marcus Morris things. He, he had a couple good shooting games. He went ISO a lot. He played some tough D, Marcus Morris. Um uh, Wayne Ellington, we talked about a little bit. It's kind of like I, I think we need to give him some regular minutes because he deserves it, and he's probably the best shooter on the team, um, you know, coming off screens and things like that. Uh, Taj Gibson, 11 minutes. Yeah, I like Taj Gibson in that role. Go out there and have some fun, bud. Play some defense. I'm here for it. Um, the only guy I'd say Bobby Portis, he hasn't hit a three-point shot yet. Uh, <laughs> that should change because uh, he was pretty good at that last year. I think it's the Frank Nielakina discussion. Um, and what a – Ken, I'm obviously going to give it to you first because you're, you're our Frank Stan on the podcast. Is the best thing in the world for Frank Nielakina him not playing and Dennis Smith Jr. looking awful? The, ch- the garden was chanting for Frank. It's genius. Yeah, I mean, it's not great in either situation. And, like, I'm kind of – unhappy with the way the Fizz has handled the whole Frank situation because like admittedly he did not look great in that first game uh, when he played three minutes and had two turnovers in those three minutes but like at the same time like DSJ has looked so bad and he keeps going back to DSJ and leaving Frank on the bench and like there's been this whole thing every season not every season because he's only been here for two but Fizdale keeps talking about how important the defense is and legitimately the only defensive players on this team are Mitchell Robinson and Frank Nilakina. So like at some point when you're not playing one of your two defensive players, like what are you doing? Like yesterday in Boston, uh, Kemba just goes off. And if you guys remember the FIBA world cup, Frank kind of shut, shut Kemba down. And it's like, maybe give that some thought as a thing to do. Like, legitimately, the, the Team USA that went to the FIBA World Cup was, like, half the Celtics, and Frank beat that team completely single-handedly. Yeah. So, like, forget about Gobert and whoever else was on that team, but, like, Frank was a very big part in beating that team, and 
You're not going to give him some minutes? And it was Come also on, like like he just beat them basically by himself three weeks ago. It just happened. It wasn't like this was back in May or a year ago or something. It was like three weeks ago. Yeah. Get yeah. I, Like that's one of those things that I think would make sense as the coach to be like, hey, Frank, you just had a lot of success against these players, like half of them are on this team. Go out there and show us what you got. And it's a similar thing to, I don't know if it was Frank or Hornacek, going back to that, where like, his family was in the crowd for the first time in like his yeah. life, and then he just didn't play at all. It's like, if, if you're trying to build his confidence and he's been playing a few games in a row, and his family's in the crowd, and then, like, no go. It's like, come on, make some better decisions. Meanwhile, Ron Baker's one start this year, that year, was because his family was in the crowd in Utah, <laughs> which was like, okay, are we? It's is this JV basketball now? This is what we're doing. Um, I mean, BBD, do you want to see more Frank? Uh, d- definitely, I would like to see more Frank. Uh, I've been a Frank guy, pretty much his whole way here. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like what ne- what they should be doing right now is playing Frank more to build up his minutes, although he is getting the best PR of his life by not playing right now. Yeah, um, it's genius. And, and two birds, one stone. Give him whatever minutes you're, you're planning to give Dennis, Jun- Dennis Smith Jr. this week. Uh, you take away Dennis Smith's minutes, which gives him more confidence, because right now playing him is hurting him. And you're giving him to Frank, which builds up his confidence, because uh, he should be playing and knows he should be playing. So everyone wins. Yeah. Including the Knicks. And guys, this is hopefully when Tom listens to this, he doesn't get this far in the episode because I got a feeling he'd hate this lineup. But I've got a fun lineup for you guys. What if what if the Knicks go Alfred Payton, who he's been racking up the steals, Frank, R.J. Barrett, Mitchell Robinson as the big and maybe, I don't know, Morris or Taj Gibson playing the four. That's like a really strong defensive lineup. On offense, you might run into some serious problems, but that's a t- that's a mean defensive lineup. And in theory, if you had some good coaching and the guys are having fun out there, you've got three or so guys that can handle the rock and pass it, so you could do some fun stuff. I don't know, like what? Why aren't we trying something like that out there? That would be like, yo, look at the length and the defense that a Knicks team could roll out there. I don't know that in my head that seems cool. It could it could be ugly on the court. <laughs> It's like, I mean, it's like we've talked about. What are we doing this year if we're not experimenting, right? Like, try it out. Throw them out. I don't really care. Just see what you got, man. Yeah, and obviously we're not calling. It call- makes some logical sense. <clears throat> yeah, and, and obviously you're not calling for that to be, like, the starting lineup that plays 35 minutes together no. a night. Like, let that – but there's no reason not to try that for, for a 10-minute stretch in some second quarter or something or if you've got a big lead in, in the fourth, which I, I guess is – thinking rather boldly that the Knicks will have a big lead in a fourth quarter. But, I don't know, throw that out there and just see if you can just hold other teams to as little points as possible and not worry about making shots for a few. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing it for a few minutes is, is the whole point. And, BBD, don't don't mind being bold. If you remember earlier, I talked about Julius Randle's game translating to playoffs next year. So that's uh, – we, we can be bold on talking Knicks. Um Boys, I don't know. I, I, I think we're I think we're at a really good point and we'll see uh <laughs> I, I won't make BBD do it, but we, we, we exchanged some some fun basketball stories beforehand. Maybe we'll put it at the end there. Right, everyone 
before we get started, everyone say a memorable moment from themselves playing basketball in a game. Mine. Um, um, okay. Uh, how about the, the spot. one? It's the one new Milford game. Well, no, I mean that's like my all-time highlight, but I gotta save that for a big episode. That's like trade deadline. How about okay the that that road game where I hit the three <coughs> and then I did the low. I did a walk and I I gave this symbol and the other teams like did the short fat kid just <laughs> do some try sure. to do something cool on us. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah. Uh, BBD, I'm gonna let you go while I while I think about this. It's a lot of pressure. Okay, I have two I want to go with. They're both bad. Um, okay, <laughs> I'll go with the one that's less bad and save the other one for 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 a more apt time later. Okay. Uh, so it was my sophomore year. It was the first game of the intramural season, sophomore year of college. Um, and, uh, you know, I was in the best shape of my life. I'd been working out all summer, getting ready for this intramural season. I was on the men's golf team's basketball team. Uh, nice. And, yeah, you know, the, the mantra the year before was, uh, yeah, we all drink and smoke, so none of us are athletic. And I was like, oh, I don't. I don't do the smoking thing, so my lungs are ahead of your guys. So I was the yeah, biggest, best athlete you. on the team. It was <laughs> game one, and uh, I had 18 of our team's 29 points. I was wow. pretty, I was pretty happy with myself. Um, and then I uh, broke my hand, and I missed the rest of the year after game one, and uh, basically never played again. In, in that 18 points then, per. Yeah. Then my yeah. then my uh, team. Uh, stopped doing it the next year, and I never got a new crew. <laughs> sure, <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. That's life. Actually, I I uh, I played with the with one hand for a couple games that year because they just needed a body out there to be a fifth. Oh wow! Um, so I and it was my right hand, and I'm right-handed that that I hurt. So I was I was out there. I I dribbled a few balls with my left, uh, and that was about the extent of what I could do. So after that is when I decided I needed to learn how to do a lefty layup. Mm. Nice. nice. So if we're doing uh if we're not Can't? if we're not doing the the full highlight jam cuz Jake's Jake's holding back his good stuff. I'm going to go right. I'm going to go back to to camp when I was okay. a little kid. Uh last day of camp, <laughs> they brought a bunch of random stuff to like give away as prizes and instead of like thinking about it, they're just like, eh, "Everyone just take some half court shots and if you make the half court shot, you can pick some stuff." Smart. And I hit the half court shot and it was like there was like 15 prizes and like three people made the half court shots. So we just went in a circle and kept picking stuff. So nice. Yeah. So I got a bunch of good stuff. I got a Ken Griffey J- Jr. T-shirt was oh. the the highlight, and I wore that thing That's all cool. the time. So. That's pretty cool. Money's worth. Yeah. Cool. BBD, we might have to throw this at the end of the episode and make this a regular part of the show. <laughs> um, but oh, and and the one thing that I do think we need to cover bef- before wrapping it up, we do have four games this week. Um. Versus Chicago at the Garden, which, hey, if there is a game that we could go up big and, and experiment with some lineups, that would be the one. And I, I, I think we're, we're starting to get to a tricky part of the season where you need to get that first win because you don't want it mm-hmm. to become a thing. You don't want to be 0-6, 0-7, what's happening? Or Are the Knicks going to get a win this year? I uh, would like to see them roll up on Chicago and then at Orlando, at Boston, and then I think they host Sacto. Um I don't know. We we used to guess guess. Well, we could still do it real quick. What what are the boys going to do this week? I say they go two and two. They win Chicago, and then 
they steal steal one of the other games. Yeah, I mean that's that's where I'm at. I think they win the home game against the Bulls because it's kind of a must win or as much of a must win as you can have in game four of the season. And then, yeah, I agree. They'll, they'll get one of those other ones. They've been playing, they have been playing well overall. So you'd think they can get one of those games against Orlando or, or Sacramento. Uh, I mean, I I agree with you guys, but I don't want to pick the same yeah. thing as you. So I'll. I'll pretend to be the optimist, and I'll say three and one. Whoa! So <laughs> you they can, idiot. I I'll say they'll they'll take the first three. They'll take Chicago, Orlando, and then get the revenge game against Boston. Wow! Three game win streak, almost guaranteed. We go one and three now after saying all that. But um, I love it. I love it. And boys, I I think this was good stuff. If you've you've been listening and following at Talking Knicks on Twitter. If you haven't, go check that out. We're on the gram, too. We're posting stuff on there, at Talking Knicks. Um, and, yeah, if, if if you've been listening, if you could leave a review. The f- first episode of the season, leave something like that. Say say Julius Randle, five stars in the playoffs next year. Um, t- t- tweet tweet something about Frankie Smokes. I don't know. Um but but we appreciate it. The the numbers are actually looking pretty solid, and they're they're only going to go up. So tell tell your Knicks friends. Um, and we should have a midweek episode coming out this week. Uh, Tommy Piccolo, um, we'll see see who else jo- joins him. But he'll be kind of deep diving on certain Knicks topics and getting some some different vibes uh, from from some different Knicks people. Maybe some other people with talking Knicks. We'll see. Um, for now, BBD, Ken, thank you, fellas. And I think uh, for now, let's go Knicks. Next tape.